Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Wildcast and the final episode of 2021. And boys, we're Autumn Cup champions. Yay! All right, well, let's they try that again thing. and make it sound like he's happy about it. You were the only one that went, mate. Yeah, I, 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 I was. Um... Whose fault was that? I don't know. How did COVID start? Yeah, unfortunately... <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, we we did decide and we did have to play the Open Cup final right in the middle of a wave of COVID, and yeah, it did mean that unfortunately my colleagues weren't able to to join. Oh, certainly Ben wasn't able to join. I know Joe was already not going. I'm getting thrown under a COVID bus here. I'm not. I didn't go because it was two days before Christmas. Yeah, you didn't go because it was two days before Christmas. Ben didn't go due to family complications with COVID, and I did go. So at least one of us was able to make it. Who'd have, who'd have thought living on your own and being nowhere near anybody, having yeah, a general exactly. distaste for meeting people would help in this scenario? Exactly. Exactly. The smug face was smug, I'm sure. It was, exactly. This is the moment that I've been building up for too. My time to shine. Yeah. Um, so let's, I might as well then say at this point, Tom, talk us through it. But we said it was going to be a tough, tense, nervy two legs. And oh my, was it? Uh, Tom, let's just talk the second leg in Leeds. Yeah, um, yeah, just a just a you know a little bit nervy. I think it's just, it is 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 a massive understatement. Um, I mean, I thought obviously we went in with that one goal lead. I think we all said beforehand you kind of almost got to forget that one goal lead um, until unless it's still there very late in the game, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, it was. I thought a positive start actually from Swindon. I thought we were the better team early in the game. In the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, we got the early goal, kind of settled, settled some initial nerves. And then Leeds really got back into it towards the end of the first period, um, got the equaliser a bit out of nowhere. But then after that, we kind of turned the screws and it felt like the cats were just chasing, chasing the game, chasing shadows, and Leeds really they look quick you know we knew, we knew how dangerous they are going forwards and yeah it, particularly in that second period when Kieran Brown scored two really excellent goals it kind of felt like okay maybe this is getting away from us and I definitely think we got to what you were kind of certainly with five five minutes or so left in that third, second period I just think yeah, the general consensus around me and around me in the Swindon block and with people in the, in the away block was yeah, we're not going to win this. Um, this is this is Leeds. This is Leeds's game to win here. They've just got all the momentum with them. Um, the Knights got into penalty trouble at the end of the end of the second period, and it kind of turned the game. Or did massively turn the game. Obviously, the Cats started that third period with a five-on-three and scored on both parts of that five-on-three. Um, suddenly, they found themselves back in the lead. Then you get a short-handed penalty shot goal, which you know I think both of us then. I think you'll find you're not allowed to have a shorthanded penalty a shot. Short-handed well, breakaway, a, a shorthanded breakaway, which led to a penalty shot, which Thomas Malasinski scored, and even which just gave us a two-goal lead. And okay, that two-goal lead only lasted a matter of thirty seconds, and Leeds then went and scored on that power play. But it kind of again set on the nerves. And to be fair, I thought we saw the game out quite well, although Renny Ma had to be on his absolute best form in the last kind of four or five minutes. Um, and that's where that one goal lead from the first leg came up, came up big for us. And we said it beforehand. 
we don't want to think about that one goal lead for the first leg until the last kind of couple of minutes of the game. And oh boy, was it needed because Leeds had some glorious opportunities late on and Rennie was robbing them and robbing them and robbing them before we finally got the empty nesser with 10 seconds or so to go and this could start celebrating. But yeah, it was hearts and mouth stuff. I can't say I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was very much, I think that it was very much seat of the pants. I think very those around me would, would be able to attest that, yeah, I wasn't having the best evening of my life. But yeah, we got there in the end and we got the celebrations and it was all good. And yeah, it was, it was a fantastic achievement for the team. And yeah, just really, really good way to set up Christmas. Um, yeah, just a great kind of, I think they've earned it. From They earned that trophy, maybe not over the two legs. I think Leeds will be quite disappointed, to be honest. They didn't come away with the trophy. But I think the way the Cats have played the last two months, they've kind of earned that trophy and they've earned the right to have that kind of maybe sketchy win in the final. You can say you may not have enjoyed it in that precise moment, but I'm sure Tom and I, Joe and I can attest to this. The... The drunk WhatsApp messages we got from you on the way back, man, you definitely began to enjoy it quite quickly after that final yeah, buzz away. Yeah. Like I said, I think we get any drunk to... WhatsApp messages. I'm clearly not special enough to get those. I think the group with the singing. No, I, there was no singing. Well, there was one song with Tom sheepishly going singing on to Country Roads. I think. See if I've got it still. <laughs> no, I am. Um, don't. Please don't share this. Um, I, I feel like I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it until massively in that kind of last 10 minutes until I think with about 30 seconds to go, Rennie made an unbelievable glove save on a Leeds player in the slot who had a, took it on his backhand, went around Rennie and Rennie got the glove up and saved it. And I think at that moment I thought, yeah, okay, he's not letting one in now. We're going to win this. And then we obviously got the empty netter on the next shit off the next face off. And yeah, it was kind of, a good mo- it was a good moment for us you know after we'd had that moment of yeah that that save and the empty net so then you could kind of start the celebrations and yeah it was obviously a great atmosphere um i think 2048 i think was the official attendance and yeah it leads leads fans made a, an absolute racket we the swindon fans really got behind the team and yeah it was a great night and i thought it was a really good game of hockey it just if it had been a league game, it would have been a fantastic game of hockey to watch. Because it was a cup final, it was a bit more, I'm trying to enjoy this, but I really can't because it's just too tense, um, particularly given how close the tie was. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, ultimately we bought a bit of luck in that game. We obviously got luck with, I wouldn't say we got lucky with the penalties because the penalties, I think, were all good calls. And I don't think either Andy Miller or Dave Good, the two referees on the night, really got anything wrong. Um, or where they did get stuff maybe missed, it was evenly on both teams. So I don't think there was any could be any complaints about the officiating. But obviously the Cats were just clinical on that power play, and that's what ultimately won them the game. Joe, I know you said on a few of these episodes before that this team has the potential to do something special. Have they now learned something else how to win by winning that final? I know that's a really silly question, but is that going to hold them in good stead going forward? You'd like to think so, obviously. Anytime you can come away with a trophy in a season is fantastic. And I think the only part that Tom didn't touch on during his roundup of it really was the fact that 
when it came to collecting the trophy, obviously, usually the captain goes up and does it. Bully let Neil Lydiard go up and do it because obviously we don't know if we're not guaranteed more trophies. This is the one we know we have. So it made sense to send Neil up first, showing his age by moonwalking with the trophy. <laughs> My <laughs> God. That's, that's a meme now in itself. Um, which is also, it's just a nice touch, also the fact that Lids is 360-odd years old and the fact that it is, it's not, we know it's his last season, so it's nice for him to go out with at least one trophy. Obviously, the team are going to try and get him a couple more out of this, but it's a start. And it really, it's it's nice to have a start for it. Um, but yeah, like Tom said, obviously, 3-1 down at the end of the first. And I think the message I sent to you, Tom, was just like, ah, nuts, kind of thing. Yeah. And then it, get, and it gets, a, you get the two power play goals, and it's like, and breathing begins again. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things, like I say, it helps. One trophy always, always helps. You've seen teams in previous years when we've been in the sort of EPL era where they've won a trophy, have been able to sort of keep that momentum going. Like you say, we've seen it with Telford, we saw it with Manchester, we saw it with Milton Keynes, we've seen it with Basingstoke. So it's important. And especially given that the games we're going to get to in a minute didn't quite go the way we would have liked because of various reasons this should be the game that they look back on and think actually no park those two away that's a one-off let's focus back on this we can know that we can do this and yeah it's just nice to have a trophy i'm still keeping my streak going of having never seen the wildcats lift a trophy though. <laughs> yeah yeah it was a shame that it, we joke about we joked at the start about one of us being able to make it it really is a shame that because of various circumstances the timing of the game because of COVID situation that we all weren't able to be there and there were other people as well who I know follow the cats a lot and would have loved to be there and just couldn't because of again the the situation at the moment so it was a shame with that respect but like I say it was there was a great traveling following from Swindon and obviously it was a made the long the long road trip back from Leeds that little bit quicker and that little bit sweeter but yeah I, I mean I definitely think in terms of the win teaching us how to win or whatever. I mean, that seems weird for a team who won, you know, or not lost in regulation for 20 or games or whatever it was going into that. It definitely, I think the nature of the win will be big for them if they do make more finals or do have more big games towards the end of the season, because it was a game where over two legs, we perhaps weren't the best team for the balance of the game. We probably were for two periods at the link and then weren't for the third. We maybe were for kind of 10 minutes in the first, 15 minutes in the second, in the third, sorry, here. And then the rest of that game, particularly the second period, was all leads. And we managed to weather the storm as best we could. We kept ourselves in touching distance and we took advantage when we got a chance. So I definitely think the nature of grinding out a win when perhaps we weren't just dominant will help them down the line. Before we move on, can we just ask Ben one thing? What's it like doing a post-match interview from 100-plus miles away? <laughs> yes, yeah, a different experience for you, that one, was it? That was the weirdest moment of my life. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I was in a, I was in a group chat with a couple of uh, Cats people I know that couldn't make the game, and uh, we jokingly said, oh, Ben, are you going to do a, an interview from, from Swindon? And I kind of went, oh, I guess it depends, you know, if, if Aaron's up for it, then, yeah, why not? And then yeah, I got a phone call from uh from Kezar, the marketing manager at the link, about 
10 minutes after face off and said, uh, Aaron's going to be ready in five. Can you, uh, can you interview him? And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was, was odd, but no, just generally just really, really happy uh, for the boys. Like I know how much they've put in to the last 20 odd games. Uh, and, and you've got to consider when you look back at that warm cup, remember how that started. Yeah. The 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 7-2 and the 7-3 defeat to Leeds and Sheffield and you know being pretty much out of it and having to win relying on the bees to get us a result to get us through uh like you know it, it the the whole story of that was was good and and for the boys to go through and win it was the perfect perfect christmas present i think if you go back to the podcast after that you know 7-2 7-3 weekend with the Lee, with Lee's and the steel dogs we probably, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure we all basically wrote off our chances and said it will take some sort of a miracle to get through now. We've just got to win and use it as momentum. We've just got to try and win these games and use it as momentum for the well, league season did. and assume that we're not going to make the semi-final. So to, it's been a bit of a miracle run for us. And yeah, like I say, I think maybe on the grand scheme of the Autumn Cup, we weren't the best team in the Autumn Cup overall. But I think on the balance of the first 20 league games, we've deserved a trophy out just off that. And I think that is, you know, a testament to the boys of how well they've played the last two months. They have been able to grind their way through to a final and get the win. Does that mean we can call it the half-term cup then? Yeah, something like that. Also, yeah, we did say that after the 7-2-3. I think the exact words we used were something along the lines of park it, let's move on and carry something on into the league campaign. So, uh, Aaron, we know you listen. We'll all put 50p in the pot for that one. Yeah, when, we you pay your, when you pay your 50p for saying the B word. Ben, Ben's still waiting on that one. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is true. Uh, I'm almost tempted to uh, to let the 50p slide, but sorry, mate, no. Um, do we then think, let's move on to Boxing Day and the 27th, there was an element of cup final win hangover against the Bison? Maybe, maybe. Because I'll be honest, I'm going to hold my hands up here and say I don't think that's the reason we lost both those games. No, I don't. I think Absolutely. it might have it might have impacted the performance slightly. I think there might have been a bit of a case of after the Lord Mayor show, kind of it's a bit of a downer. You, but equally, these are boys you, are you implying that maybe some of the boys weren't exactly a hundred percent? Let's go with the word sober. No, no, no. I don't wouldn't wouldn't suggest that at all. No, that that wouldn't be my suggestion. I think. Maybe there is an element of you've had a big win, you've had the long road trip back, you've then had Christmas and you've come back, you've had Christmas Day and you've come back on Boxing Day and had to play and you're playing a Bison team who are missing a few guys. And I wouldn't say there was over, it, I, I don't know what the reason it was, but it definitely felt just a flat performance comparatively to what we've seen. Um, but equally, I don't, yeah, I don't think the cup win was the reason behind that. I think there was some, you know, ultimately we were going to have a flat performance at some point. We haven't had. And we've got and we've had flat performances in that run and have got away with it, but for reasons um, one being we didn't take our chances and Alex Metham played an excellent game and Jordan Lorde played an excellent game the next night in Basingstoke, we didn't score enough goals, and then we had you know unfortunately um, yeah we, we we Basingstoke were clinical and they took their chances in particularly early in the second period in that game against in the, the link they didn't really take have any chances against Rennie and then they scored two goals it's it's that thing of I think we both said it Ben 
that first period on Sunday at the link was crucial where we outshot them 16-5 and were only winning 1-0 at the end of the first. Yeah, I think, I think when we, we uh, away at that point. When, when we came in on that first period break, I think you kind of think to yourselves, yeah, you know what? One nil up, we're playing well. We're we're out shooting them three to one. Uh you're happy, but I think when you look back the way that game panned out, you've got to take a couple more. And I think I said to you, this is that's not a criticism necessarily on the boys not doing enough to shoot, like to, to get those goals. You know, Metsy pulled off two or three brilliant saves. They hit a couple of close and crossbars for a whole combination of things. The puck just didn't fancy going in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, there's probably not much more they could have done, to be fair to them. Um, and to be fair, like you said, Alex Metham had what I would call a classic Alex Metham performance against the Wildcats. He's usually good for one a year. The first 10 minutes of that game, he looked ropey as anything he somehow managed to stop a puck he didn't know where the rebounds would go in he didn't track the puck but once he got through that he was seeing like a beach ball and you just couldn't get past him yeah uh and he does it a lot he's done it a lot against us for the last few years that he's usually good for one or two usually to be fair to him it happens in basingstoke rather than in swindon but he's a good goalie and he's had a rough start to the year i think we've all said it he was going to come good eventually yeah yeah definitely i mean he he, he definitely and it's definitely true that he's good that net, he's a, he's not a, he's not as bad a net as bad a net minder as his numbers suggest this year and he is always good for a few big games against us as you say he doesn't always have hasn't always had the best record in swindon um so it's probably nice for him to get that big performance here because he has had a habit particularly both in when he was in blacknell and also in um, Basingstoke, he has had that kind of habit of having nights where he's been lit up a bit at the link. But yeah, I mean, you've still got yeah. It was it was a good performance from him. Um, I think there's also an element the Bison defense did well around him and were able to get sticks in the way of rebounds and collapse in on the net and make it hard for us to put away those kind of close on the door set chances. Where we had quite a few of them over the game where. The puck was in skates and the bison, the cats players were whacking at it, bison players were whacking at it, and it just wouldn't go in. So, you know, it's good. It's, it was a good performance from Basingstoke, particularly when you consider they were missing kind of five, six guys um, with, I don't know what the reason, I think we can guess what possibly what the reason is, um, but they were missing kind of five or six kind of key guys. I was just, I was just about to say, Joe, what were your thoughts on, on those two games? I think, we're doing a little bit of a disservice saying that it's, you know, after the cup final, uh, let's just praise that. The Bison played really well. You've just got to look at the shooting percentage both nights for that. Thir- uh, 31 saves out of 39 shots, giving up eight goals. It's an under 800 save percentage across the three goalies that we used. Um, and yeah, obviously the Bison, a lot of players missing, like you and Tom both said, you've got Adam Harding out, uh, Hallam Wilson was out, Elliot Dewey was out, Ashley Tate, player coach, was out. And if... Liam what, Morris it, was out as well. Liam Morris really was out. I knew, there was a, I knew there was a fifth one I was missing. And obviously, if everything we think it was, the reason behind it, obviously, Ashley Tate wouldn't have been there both nights. So Definitely wasn't there Saturday. No, he wasn't there Sunday. He wasn't there Sunday, but Tony Redmond was running the Basingstoke bench. Um, um you call up youngsters like Will Birch, who plays for the base of Buffalo, and is having a really good year in South too. Um, Elliot Lewis from the Stone Devils, who is kind of on an unofficial two-way from the Devils, again, having a really good year. They both obviously had chances. And I think 
saying it was, you know, or the captain lost it because, you know, cup final kind of thing. The Bison obviously would have had to play well to beat a team that's top of the league and cruising and, as we say, hadn't lost in regulation in two months. But teams that are short bench tend to come up together a lot more than ones that aren't. And we saw it in both games. The fact that you can call up two youngsters, uh, three if you include Tom Banner from the Slough Jets as well, who all put in decent shifts. They all have a good game. They all band together and are just a lot more clinical than they usually are. I mean, I was the one that said the Bison were probably going to finish second in September. And yes, they've started horrendously. We don't know what it is. The defence hasn't done what it should have been doing. The net minding shouldn't have done what it's been doing. But this month, they have started to turn these things around. They've won, I think it's five out of seven now, I think, something like that, five out of eight, something like that, looking off the top of my head. Um, and it all comes from the, the Jordan Lorde side. It injects a bit of confidence into the team. You're getting performances now from a decor. You're getting goals from the forward line. Adam Harding comes back from an injury and then last weekend happens and they still manage to get eight goals out of the weekend. You've got lots of potential in that Bison lineup. And last weekend showed that they are once they showed that once they are able to put everything together, they are a good team in this league. The Cats. I don't know, if, if you look back through Cat's history, and off the top of my head, I can at least think of the last three full seasons, it always seems to be this little awkward gap between Boxing Day and New Year's Day, where we are absolute toilet. I don't know what it is. It's just we don't we don't like Christmas. I remember us all being at a game in Bracknell, and this one that isn't 50p because it was in Bracknell, where... We all went there and we thought, oh, well, here we go, kind of thing. And we lost 3-1, I think it was. Might have been 3-0. And we just didn't look like great. scoring the entire night. It's always this sort of awkward window that we always seem to come out flat after Christmas and it takes us a couple of games to get going again. Obviously, this weekend wasn't helped by the fact that you lose Rennie after two periods to, we think, an injury. We're going to guess an injury. Dean Skins wasn't available. Uh, I don't know why. I'm guessing Ben does, but isn't allowed to suggest why. You have Michael Crisp in for the third period on Saturday, and obviously he ends up he ends up getting the loss on record because obviously he's in for the two goals. But there's not a lot he can do really. He did his enough a good enough job to keep us in the game. And then you have John Dibble up from the Bristol Pitbulls on Sunday in Basingstoke, who. Let's face it, is a good enough goalie in this league, but we didn't help him an awful lot. And for some of those that I've seen clips of so far, um, it's just one of those weekends. We said that it would always happen. Every team was going to have it. We we could talk more about it when we go through the other schools. Teams have these spells. It's just important that you know a two-game losing streak doesn't become you know a five or a six-game losing yeah. streak. We need to get. It's like we said. We need to park this weekend behind us. Congratulations to the Bison. Short bench, no player coach. Loads of people missing to get four points out of that is fantastic, and they should be proud of that because they've had a terrible year, they've had a terrible start, and they're starting to slowly turn it around. But for us, that's a case of yeah, cut, quit it. Don't I don't remember this weekend? It didn't happen. See you later. Moving on to the next one. To to paraphrase the greatest American football coach of all time, we're on to Milton Keynes. Yeah, I mean, I think before we move on, we do have to touch on the net mining, and I don't think any of us can sit there and say well that was why we lost those two games it wasn't like the team the team wasn't awful the team was okay but it wasn't good enough to beat 
a good a, a Basingstoke team who played well over two nights. Um, we did quite a good job of perhaps limiting the number of shots on John Dibble on Sun on Monday, sorry, but we didn't necessarily do a good job of limiting the quality of shots he faced. Um, certainly, we look at the first goal. It was the first shot he faced all game. We think um, it was 13 minutes in, and it's a one-on-one with Alex Roberts, who is one of the most clinical finishers in that situation in the league. Good luck, John. <laughs> Welcome to the National League. And you know, you know, it's just that's the sort of situation. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you know. You back you back Alex Roberts against Rene Ordino in that situation if you're a Basingstoke fan. Um, so. You know, there's nothing that the netminder can do in that situation. And I think both Crispy and um, John did an excellent job over the um, two games. And unfortunately, we just weren't able to back that up as a team. Um, it's what it is. Um, I do think it also needs to be touched on two excellent performances from Ollie Endicott. And I know particularly on Monday, it got noted that, you know, his work rate and, yeah, just general, yeah, general work rate. And it was something that, you know, obviously he's been not in the lineup with the Cats that often because of his commitments at Bristol and getting more ice time there. But yeah, I thought he played well. Um, I definitely think he he put himself around and he looked good on a kind of third line in a third line role with us, particularly in that third period where he was getting a few more minutes because of you know the line the way the line changes were going for us. Yeah, yeah, the youngsters did good. I thought. Um... Ollie played well, and I thought Josh played well as well. When yeah, he got Josh played well too. And and before we do kind of move on, it's probably also worth just touching very quickly on Kane Russell going to Basingstoke uh, for a month long loan deal as well on the twenty eighth. That was another twenty seventh. Twenty. That's yeah. before the game. And that's before the game in Basingstoke. Yeah. I I don't get that. And I know, I think, I think, well, camera, I think Tommy messaged me and said that the reason behind it was to get exposure at a national league level. But he's already on our books. Why aren't we giving him that national league experience and game time? I mean, I know Kane is a Basingstoke junior. That's where we managed to get him from. He is a former, he is a former Bison under 18. But if we are looking to get ex- experience for him, and yes, obviously the Bison must be under demand at the moment, why? aren't we giving him the chance and why are we then letting him go to a competitor for a month? Even though it is a month, obviously it could be extended longer. We know obviously the Bison are running an import short. So Kane isn't exactly the best fit for that, the best person for that, but he is still a body. And from the bits I've seen of him playing this year for Bristol, he's damn good. I mean, I hope, I mean, I'm, I, my hope for this is it is just a month and it just, it's just a case of helping out the Bison in a kind of tough spot. And he comes back and it doesn't turn into some longer term move for him. Um, I think the one thing you wouldn't want to see as a Cats fan is Kane going there, liking it a bit too much and then staying. Um, I mean, I do think the element of why aren't we doing it? I think there is an element of it's a bit of a numbers game at the moment and we're just not going to be able to give him that the level of ice time that he'd be able to get, that he'd be able to really make work with. You've got other, other young guys as well in the setup who also need that National League exposure. And they've also got to consider commitments with Bristol and the fact that we have nine, ten senior forwards ahead of him who are going to be taking the majority of that ice time. And unfortunately, it does squeeze him out. If he can get decent third-line ice time for Basingstoke for a month, that's going to help him a lot more than playing fourth-line ice time for us 
for the same period. But yeah, you do want it to be a case of help out the Bison, help out Kane, but also help out us in the future by getting a better Kane Russell in return. The one thing you don't want is the Bison getting their kind of, with all, with all you know, obviously every player's future is up down to them. But the one thing you probably don't want from for this, for out of this arrangement is Ash Tate and Kane Russell coming to an arrangement where this becomes a longer term thing and you end up losing a future part, part of the roster, which equally could happen if he doesn't go on loan because at the end of the day, he's only on a one-year deal with the Cats. He could equally be offered a deal in the summer. So it doesn't really make a difference there, but you don't necessarily want that to become something that gives him the, gives Basinson the opportunity to kind of tap him up a bit. But I'd, it's, it's definitely a weird one. It's one you don't see that often, you know, loans between teams in the same league. But I can understand the situation, particularly with the situation in the world at the moment and the need to try and keep the league moving that, yeah, teams are perhaps more open to helping out other teams um, where they can. But, yeah, it's certainly a bit of a weird one and one that I definitely wasn't, definitely wasn't expecting to be talking about um, if you'd asked me this before Christmas. Nope, neither was I. And I guess it also potentially theorises that some of those names, absentees on the Bison list possibly are, let's say, injuries rather than illness. Uh, if they were only going to be out a week, 10 days, they probably wouldn't be looking to do this. If they're going to be out three, four weeks, then that's probably why they're in the market for an extra body. Um, that kind of brings us up to date with where we are now. So, Joe, how are you going to do this next part? Are we going back to pre-Christmas? There was only one game pre-Christmas other than the one we've already talked about, so I think we'll start from there. Let's kick it off then. Well, it's three days before Christmas and all through the house, the Sheffield Steel Dogs decided to get COVID. Uh, they went to the Telford Tigers on the 22nd uh, with nine outskaters, I think we counted up as, and one goalie, and the Tigers were generous and only beat them 6-2. Three-point night for Jason Silverthorne, two assists each for Jonathan Weather and Jack Hopkins, four points for Scott McKenzie, and three more for Vladimir Luka, who is quietly putting together a hell of a run since he signed from the Scimitars. The Steel Dogs, like I said, it's an undermanned, understrength. Um, I mean, fair play to them. They went to the Tigers with nine men. They could have, I believe there was a thing put out by Greg Wood after the game that the EIHA made them do it. I'm not sure what to believe on that side of it, because obviously there is always two sides to every story, but they fulfilled the fixture anyway. No penalties were called the entire night. That's an odd one. I <laughs> wonder why. It's almost... If they didn't have any players, and it was three days before Christmas. Um, a goal, first one, for, a goal for Jack Brown, a goal for Charlie Thompson for the Dogs, and first assist in his first game for Sam Colton. He was on loan at the Lightning during the Lightning's COVID run, and he gets goes back to Sheffield and he gets an assist. Boxing Day, we've already talked about the bad one. Leeds Knights 7, Sheffield Steel Dogs 4. This time the Steel Dogs actually managed to get a couple of extra bodies in. They suddenly have 10 for players and two goalies. Uh, Leeds decided, no, they also didn't care and put seven on them. Hat-trick for Kieran Brown, three assists for Brandon Whistle, three assists for Adam Barnes, the main destroyers, let's put it that way, that line, obviously, that puts together on the line, on, on the power play, it looks dangerous. They have got some forwards in Leeds, we've already said that several times. Uh, a goal on the, if you believe the game sheet, Dimitri Zanozdra scored because he is the demigod and he can do what he likes. 
But if you actually look through it, it was the Sheffield player Scott Morris called up from the Scimitars in NHL 1. He gets his first goal for the Steel Dogs. And in the third period of this, Samantha Bowell became, I believe, the third woman to have been in goal during an EPL National League game. Definitely the first one in the National League so far. She played the last 20 minutes, two goals on 13 shots. Not bad when you consider that Dimmy gave up five on 36 before that. Um, Nick Strapans also managed to get some game time for the Knights, four goals on 25 shots. But obviously the big thing for this, again, the dogs underbound, understrength, fulfill a fixture. And Samantha Bowell becomes the first woman to netminder a game in the National League. Thoughts, guys, quick before I move on. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, good. I mean, if you're, if you're good enough, and, you, and, and she, she obviously is, I don't think it should be something that stops. And as she said, she's not the first at second tier level. I think Nicole Jackson certainly played a few for the. Um, Lita Lee Gerald, I think, did it as well. So, yeah, there have been previous ones. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And, and Sheffield have had previous for it as well. So, so kudos to them. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Monday, the 27th, because, you know, you get around Christmas and all the days blend into one. Monday, Bees 4, Raiders 3 in the well, IHC derby, as I think we should call it. Uh, the Raiders led 2-0. The Bees brought it back to 2-0 before the Raiders made it 3-2, and then two goals in the space of 56 seconds on the power play for the Bees, handling the win. A game-winning goal coming from known goal scorer James Galazzi, who has actually, to his credit, turned into a bit of a power play sniper this year. I believe that's his fifth power play goal this year. Uh, again, a case of the usual suspect turns up for the Bees. Dominic Gabay, 2 plus 1. Uh, Harvey Stead with two assists. I believe that takes him to 11 now for the year. The Raiders, again, a team where we're not going to say the C word, but it looks like it may have played a part here with players like TJ Anderson getting his first two points in the National League. They also have appearance from signing from the Streatham Redhawks for their junior team, Harvey Briggs, also tipping, chipping in with two points as well. Adam Erskine from the junior Raiders and Dan Fay also playing up. Um, noticeably missing both Piotr, Eric Piatak, Lucas Slykowski, and also Captain Aaron Connolly on for Monday. The Raiders, bless them, they seem to be getting hit by a lot of injuries and a lot of viruses obviously the game we had against them before Christmas was called off uh, yeah you'd like to see what they could do when they were healthy um, Ethan James obviously had a good night for that one 47 saves 921 save percentage to go with his four goals against Telford 4 leads Knights 3 in overtime an overtime winner for Corey Goodison unassisted at 62-38 is the dagger in this one after the Knights took the league after just 34 seconds Brandon Whistle with an unassisted marker to start the game off Tigers made it one all before the end of the first it was three all by the end of two and just nothing happened in the third by the looks of it there was the only thing to happen was Kieran Brown receiving two for hooking, ten for abuse of official, and a game misconduct for unsportsmanlike conduct. That seems to be a trend with Leeds this year. They believe Brandon Whistles received a couple of tens for abuse of official. Matt Davis also received a ten in this game for abuse of official. And Kieran Brown went one step further and went, hold my beer. Um, I think he also got a ten minute in the, uh, the the end of the cup final as well. Yes, he, he did in that one as well. Um, yes, uh, Telford, again, just Fantastic on their day. Milton Keynes, five, Peterborough, three in the Air the Blair game because for some reason they didn't want to call it a Teddy Bear toss. Uh, the Bears were aired after 30 minutes with a Bobby Chamberlain power play marker for the Lightning 
Two more goals for Sean Norris, another one for Chamberlain, and one from Liam Stewart to wrap things off. It was 5-1. The Phantoms get two back in the last five minutes through Tom Barry, again, noted goal scorer, and Duncan Spears to put a bit of shine on it. Matt Smittle, again, putting some solid performances together. 42 saves on the night, 9.33 save percentage. Before we move on to what, as we record this on the Wednesday, Tuesday night's games, it came out after recording that the MK Lightning, Mount Mikey Power was suspended for 11 games for what happened in the game against the Steel Dogs before Christmas. We'll touch on that one in a minute because I know we've kind of all got our thoughts on various things about that. You can tell I'm feeling while this refreshes. Uh, Moving on to Tuesday the 28th, Raiders nil, Bees three in the IHC derby. I almost went to this game being fairly local and, you know, not having a hockey fix. And I'm glad I didn't. Three goals in the last four minutes and 16 seconds. Oh, boy. A shorthanded goal from Edward Bradley, his sixth of the season. Started off and then two empty net goals in the space of 40 seconds in the final minute, both from Dominic Goodbye. Give the Bees the 3-0 win. Goodbye ends up with a three-point night. Bradley gets an assist on one of the empty netters. Ethan James... Picks up a loss despite having a 9.63 save percentage. 26 saves on the night. Adam Goss picks up his first shutout of the season. 31 saves in that one. Um, yeah, I'd like to say that it looks like it was an entertaining game, but we've all been to games that have been low scoring and actually been good. For some reason, though, we have a fight with 30 seconds to go in a game that's 2-0. Just, yeah. I mean, on, on, on the Goss shutout, I believe I saw, also saw something from the Bees. It's not only his first of the season, but it's his first at any senior level. So, yeah. Even more props for him there, then. Sheffield Steel Dogs, get some players back. Can I get a hooray? Hooray. hooray. They still lost. Um, <laughs> five ones to the Telford Tigers. The Dogs get some players back, most notably... Uh, Jason Hewitt, uh, Brady Doxy is back in the lineup. Ben Morgan is back in the lineup. So, and they even had Alex Graham because there was no Steelers game. At least he's not in COVID protocol. Um, but the dogs just turn up and do the job anyway. Three point night for Jack Hopkins, three for Scott McKenzie, three for Vladimir Luka. As the Tigers run out, five one winners. It was three nil at the end of the first period, and again the the ever controversial and I always love it when a goal gets put down at twenty minutes exactly because you technically can't have a goal going at twenty minutes exactly. You love game sheets. Uh, <laughs> power play goal for Vladimir Luka on that one. Scott McKenzie receives a five, but no game for slashing because that's a new rule that everyone loves at the moment. Brad Day posts a 969 save percentage, giving up 31 saves on 32 shots. The Dimmy God has a bit of a wobble. The Steel Dogs have now lost eight of the last 10 games. Obviously, three of those, two of those can't really be helped because of the thing, but a little wobble has seen them move down the table. And finally, Tuesday night, the Peterborough Phantoms, seven Milton Keynes Lightning, two. Uh, points everywhere in this one. Multi-point nights for Nathan Pollard, Morgan Clark Pizzo, Connor Pollard playing out from the NHL 2 side, Duncan Spears, Callum Buglis, Glenn Billing and Alish Padalek all having a night as the Phantoms go 4 for 7 on the power play. <laughs> Just one of those nights. Matt Smittle, 30 saves on 37 shots and 8-11 save percentage for that one. Uh, the only other thing of note from that game was Tom Norton being thrown out five in game for spearing at 38-41 and me and Ben having to physically restrain Tom Graham from tweeting something because the last time he tweeted about Tom Norton, his missus got rather angry with him and clapped back rather fast. Yes. Yeah, I did do that. Um, 
again. Um, yeah, multiple United for Callum Bugle, as we mentioned there. Um, he must have got a shooting stick for Christmas because that was two goals in the first seven minutes and nine seconds for him, I believe, as he scored the first two of the night for the Phantoms. It's Callum Bugler's sniper is the official sniper, title yeah. nowadays. Sudden, sudden, sudden sniping streak for Callum Bugler, who, to be fair, has found a bit more of an offensive side in that game in the last couple of seasons. Um, the way since, since leaving Swindon, you mean? Well, not so much. Not even so much leaving since leaving Swindon, but I think just since moving up up in the pecking order in Peterborough, he's he's found a niche as a kind of a two way defenseman, and I think that's great for him because he is a good skater, and a, you know he's got a decent shot on him. So the table as it stands, bear in mind we are recording this on the 29th, which is before the MK game. Uh, the Wildcats are top of the league, but the gap has been shredded. 31 points from 20 games. The Tigers are now 29 points. The Lightning, 27. All three have played 20 games. The Dogs are on 25 points, but they've played two more games. They're on 22. Leeds Knights, 22 points from 21. And then the Bison and the Phantoms tied on 17 with the IHC teams propping up the table at 15. Thoughts on the last week? I'd say, obviously, the Steel Dogs now... Losing eight of ten is a big thing. The lightning obviously are now charging. The tigers are charging. It's starting to get interesting again. Yeah, it, it really is. I think I I know I uh, I did cheekily text Callum last night actually and just said thanks for the win because uh, that kind of negates one of the losses to the bison in terms of us and the lightning. Uh, the Tigers creeping back in into second and two points behind us now. We're all on level on 20 games, I think it is. And it's starting to hot I, up a I little bit. I know you were listening just then. Yeah, it's, uh, it's starting to starting to hot up a little bit just as we kind of get into, into the new year. And it's kind of beginning to look like a three-horse race. It's the very early signs of a three-horse race. Like you said, Sheffield losing those amount of games is not helping their case at all. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a really fun second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we all knew that we all knew that team, not every team, we, we were always going to have a run, a bad, some bad games in there. We weren't going to go and win every game since the opening game of the season and keep that run going until the end of the season. But yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, it's, we knew it was going to be tight. We all said at the start of the season that Telford were going to be up there. We all thought MK were going to be there or thereabouts, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be a really good good, good race. And, you know, I don't think, I still think there's an element that anyone can beat anyone because you look at Peterborough, they found some form in over the last few weeks after a bad start. Bayesian Circus started to find some form. The Bees are capable of beating teams on the night. The Raiders are always capable of beating teams. We know the Steel Dogs started well and have dropped off, but they're going to find, I'm sure, some form as well when they start getting guys back in that lineup. Yeah, it's going to be a really good, good second half of the season. And, you know, depending on, you know, the thing that's going on in the world at the moment, you know, there's going to be some really good games of hockey and hopefully, yeah. I mean, obviously we want the Cats to win, but as long as the games are good and the, the hockey's good, then I think we're all happy. You talked about the Mikey Power thing. So before we recorded, we knew he'd been thrown out of the game. And then after we recorded, the video highlights came out of said game. And oh boy, did he go mental. The first one is the check to the head on Matt Bissonnette where he he leaves his feet because, let's face it, Matt Bissonnette is a big boy. 
and Mikey Power isn't quite so big. So that check to the head is fairly obvious. And then he punches Jason Hewitt. He just fully wails on, I believe it's Nathan Ripley, and then gives Ben Morgan a punch for good measure. So he gets 11 games. And I know this obviously got brought up in other places, but the EOHA, as Tom, you said before we recorded, obviously, pointing out quite plain and simple why he got it. Check to the head is a minimum six. The fighting is, I believe it was given as three or yeah. four, and then it was an extra one because of the totting up process. So that's fairly self-explanatory. And then there was a lot of complaining about why we don't have a proper department of player safety like the Elite League does. Because obviously you had the Mikey Power hit, then was it the same weekend or was it the weekend before we had Andy McKinney? Weekend uh, week before. The weekend before. So you had Andy McKinney did had another check to the head on the Saturday night in Leeds, then played the Sunday and sucker punched Sam Butlers. He got banned for six games for the incident on the Saturday and got nothing for the Sunday. I think personally, and I know Tom, your opinions on this are a little different, but you have a lot of them on this, that if you had a Department of Player Safety on this, you're going to go from one extreme to the other. We've had a year where we have just gone past Christmas and the discipline page on the EIHA has probably got maybe 20 names on there saying our push, maybe 20. If you had a proper Department of Player Safety and you opened it up to constant reviews and looking at everything, that list would already be probably going past 50 by this point in the year. I think it opens up a big can of words if we have a proper Department of Player Safety, but for to sit there, for some people to sit there and say that it isn't clear what people get what for is wrong. It's quite clearly put out online what each penalty deserves. They take into consideration the referee's report. There's video footage in most weeks now. I think a Department of Player Safety at this level, uh, essentially a semi-pro amateur level, you don't need it. You just need people to stop being absolute melons. We say this a lot when we talk about the league and the EAHA, and I know other podcasts and when Anthony over at Banners on the Wall, his stuff kind of talks about this as well. It's consistency. And that's not me talking about consistency in calls. It's you look at the Mikey Power situation. An incident happened in the game. A couple of days later, there's a press release that comes out and says, this is what he's got. This is why. And this is how many games he's got. I think if that happens every time, something happens in the National League. That's all you need. That is all you need. But the problem that's is... the problem. We're not getting that. You're not moment. getting that. And that that's where the fix is. I don't think we need... Like you said, it's, it's the National League, as much as we love it, is, is a semi-professional league. I don't think you now suddenly need to have a fully full-time player safety department like the Elite League does, like the NHL does. You just need... The, the rules are there. And there's people there that are clearly applying them because someone's given Mikey Bauer an 11-game ban, whoever that is. And we don't know who's on the Elite League DOPS. We don't need to know who's on the National League DOPS. There's there's a few names out there that probably are on that panel. But you just need that consistency of when it happens, get it out there quickly. Even if you don't put the press release, you update that discipline section of the website. That's all it needs. But the only thing you want is you, want, you basically want the turnaround to be quicker like it is with all the other sports. Yeah, I think so. Because, because I, I mean, think... what was it? We had, the, I think the Devils one, for example, that happened on the Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. The calls we were told on Thursday, so that's five days after the fact, and then the actual thing on the website went up two weeks later. Well, and and from a Swindon perspective, you had the Thomas Malazinski one in 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 Slough earlier in the year where he got thrown out for a check to the head, which is a minimum six game ban, but it got overturned based on the video submission that showed he didn't make head contact with the player and the referee made a mistake, which is fine. You know the the video was reviewed, it was overturned based on that video. That's great. That's exactly what should happen. But then the disciplinary section wasn't updated until about five games after it had been played. So teams are wondering why Thomas Malazinski's playing. Or fans, sorry, it. teams aren't, because teams know exactly what the situation is. But fans of opposition teams are asking, why well, is Thomas Malazinski in the Cats lineup? Shouldn't he be suspended? And the answer you is... You also not have the other way of it in the Orton Cup with Emil Sweck. Yes. Because there was yeah. that one in Milton Keynes where he didn't get a penalty... And then we turn up in basic soak the next night and he's not allowed to play and everyone's a bit sure and it's like, oh, he's suspended. And and again, it was about three weeks later that it goes on the disciplinary website that he was given a one-game suspension for roughing and served it the next night. And it's like, well, if you you were able to give him the suspension overnight, surely you're able to put a line on the disciplinary website overnight because you you run a website, Joe. Ben, you run websites... um, I can't imagine it takes that long to update to update something as simple as putting a line in on the website. The thing is, like, you wouldn't even need to do anything as much as that. You have multiple social media pages now for the NIHL, the EIHA. It doesn't take that long for one person who has access to those to just put a thing of breaking news: Swindon Wildcats, Emil Sveck is suspended one game for bloody bloody blah. A further explanation of this will be published shortly. The, the the one other thing that I would say that's come out of this MK Sheffield game that I think does perhaps need to look at, and I, I agree with you, I don't think you need a full-time DOPS at this level, but I do think there needs to be some way of looking at video where there is very public video po- posted by clubs of incidents like that, and nothing, nothing no action gets taken because there were some very clearly suspendable in- incidents in that in that footage that the MK Lightning released, let alone the fan footage as well, but which we, we appreciate that can't be considered, you know, um, for very obvious reasons. But yeah, there were some very clear things that even if you're not going to, you know, yeah, just feels like it's not a great look. I don't think it's a great look at the league if you can have a bench clearance and one player gets suspended because the fact... And, no, and one that wasn't even involved in the well, bench yeah, exactly. One player that, ironically, wasn't involved in the bench clearance because the bench clearance happened subsequently while that player was leaving the ice to take to go to the penalty box. And I don't think it's a great look on the league if you can have that sort of incident. And because the referees on the ice give no penalties, there's no further action taken. I do think that you don't need a full-time DOPS, but the league at this point just have to turn around to the clubs and say, we want to see all the footage and we're going to suspend players because it doesn't need to be anything more than that. Yeah, there should be something... You should be able to go through and do a supplementary thing like the Elite League does. Teams can submit video to get... To say, look, you've missed this kind of thing. And it's the only way we can get referees to be better as well. If it's pointing out what they've missed and what they should be calling, it also helps the referees get better. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe potentially, potentially the two clubs decided they didn't want to submit video because... And I, I don't want to put words in any team's mouth, but potentially they look at it and say, well, if we ask for player X on the other team to be suspended, player Y on our team is also liable to be suspended because they're going to look at the footage. And 
you kind of end up in like a mutually assured dis- destruction situation where neither team can put in a, can suggest to the ref to the EIHA that a player should be suspended because you'd end up with players on both teams getting suspended. So perhaps there does need to be a circumstance when this sort of high-profile incident happens that the league can just request to automatically look at it. But yeah, I do think, I think it's what it is. Like, I think, and I, I think a lot of the kind of questions that have come from certain players um, about the kind of transparency of the process also is the comparison between the elite league process and the EIAHA process. And I think a lot of that has come from Stephen Dixon of the Cardiff Devils getting a one-game suspension for a check to the head. And I would argue that, yeah, the Elite League have a quite a good system in that they can get the Department of Player Safety um, decisions out very quickly. But are they getting them right? Because one game for check to the head, six games for check to the head, there's a five-game discrepancy. I appreciate it's two different leagues. I'd argue that given we know how serious headshots, et cetera, are, and it's a very high-profile thing in hockey nowadays. I would argue that, particularly at a semi-pro level, the EIHA are probably closer to the closest to the point on their kind of baseline than the elite league are at this point. I think you're right on that. Um, so I think six games to check to the head is perfectly acceptable because we should be we should be taking head hunting out of the game. Again, it's one of the things you live in a sport where you can fight and sit down for five minutes and that's something if you want to do that but to have I mean I get obviously some of these hits are accidental something you don't mean to but six games is a deterrent because I mean let's face it six games out of 48 that's over 10% of your league campaign in the National League the further down the system you go it's longer I think um, South 2 is 24 so you get six games than that you're missing a quarter of your season and you're right, the, the fact it's one game in the Elite League was ridiculous. I mean, if you actually watch that hit, it's not so much the hit, it's the impact afterwards, because he smashes his head off the little ledge between the plexiglass and the boards. That's yeah. what does the damage. And I'm not trying to use that as a defence to give it one, because it isn't. You still hit him in the head. You still cause him to momentarily black out. Like We've all played sports, Tom, obviously, admittedly, probably not as much, but we've all had that moment where you've taken a head impact and you feel dizzy. Yeah. I, I can say this from experience. I'm not myself out on a bleacher in Oxford this year. And I had no idea where I was. If you ask me anything to do about that game, I can't tell you anything. I can remember the score. Cause obviously I look at it on a regular, but that's about it. I can't tell you who scored for either team. If I remember right, also- you had a, uh, you had a one game podcast suspension, didn't you? Yeah, I did because I couldn't. I couldn't look up. <laughs> I couldn't look at things. My eyes were absolutely knackered. It's it's but it's we, you think in a day of age that we deal this out. And yeah, Tom, you're right. Six games is a fair thing. The elite league obviously messed it up. And the one I would compare it back to. It seems odd. You get the same amount of ban for a check to the head in the EIHA, which is the right one that Spiro Galakos did for kicking Colton Fretter in the knackers with a skate. Yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's what it is. Like we, we, have, we've none of us have played hockey, and I'm sure players have a very different view of what should be suspendable, how long suspension should be, etc. But we say it a lot. The EIHA, at least, maybe the disciplinary process isn't the clearest. Maybe it gets causes frustration. They at least publish the minimum for each each um, offence if it's upheld on appeal. And yeah, so. It's what it is. And I do think that, yeah, as a league, it's one of those things that could be done better, but equally 
given it's a semi-pro league, it's probably not the worst thing that the EIJ are doing and probably not the biggest thing that we can complain about, personally, anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, you thought we were going to have an episode to kick off twenty, what, to end 2021 without any ranting. Sorry. Maybe next year. Next yeah, year okay. we move on to the, the NIHL as Star Wars. <laughs> No, that's that's very much that is very much for when we have no hockey and we're desperate for content. Yeah, we we definitely uh, definitely will bring that one out if we need to. Um, yeah, that. Uh, anything else from either of you? I mean, obviously we've got at the time of recording this, we're going into the game against Milton Keynes. Then there was obviously a couple more games the other side of New Year's before we. Uh, reconvene, which Tom will tell you about in a minute, hopefully, if he's ready. It's that little smug face there. He looks so happy with himself that he's written it all down beforehand this time. Um, Watch it. Yeah, we basically, <laughs> we've just got to go through these games and one, hope that we have, we know what net minding we've got for this week. We've got to, two, forget about the Basingstoke weekend. That's in the past. We're on to the next weekend, we're on to the next batch of games. Three, not let their heads get down from a bad weekend because we've already seen it throughout the first three months of this year. This team is really good. It's capable of doing something special. Yeah, I know, say the line, Bart, and all that. Um, And just four, just get back to enjoying it because you have that Christmas break. Well, I say break. I'm on a Christmas break. You two aren't. You miss it. You go back and watch it, and then you get two, as you say, flat performances. We can't get on their backs. We could be in a worse situation. There are teams lower down the league who are in a much, 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 much worse place than us. This team won a trophy less than a week ago. I mean, so let's get out there tomorrow night. Well, I say tomorrow because this won't go out tomorrow. Let's go out this week, this week in the three games and actually get behind them. Let's not get on their backs. We'll get there. I mean, on the point of teams being worse, worse off, there's definitely teams in much worse positions than us. But I think we can point out that we're in a nine at the time of recording, we're in a nine team league and there's eight teams below us. So I think, yeah, we're in a pretty good position. It's like Aaron said to me in the interview we did in Basingstoke. Every other team wants to be where we are right now. And that's that's the thing we've got to remember. I before we move before we move on to my usual shambolic performance of running through the fixtures, I do have one question for the both of you. As we're kind of at the end of 2021 we're kind of approaching the mid-ish point of the season yes how would you rate the wildcats first half roughly of the season on a kind of a let's say a scale of one to ten ten being couldn't be better and one being oh my god that's horrendous why we might might as well give up on the season now i mean i've got a number in my head i don't know about you joe yeah i've got one Who's going first? Shotgun, not me. All right. I would say I'm going to go eight and a half. I, uh, I, if you're saying that 10 is absolutely perfect and we're, we're, we're loving life, I don't see how you could be much lower than a, than an eight. Uh, I'm going to say that because Joe's probably going to put us lower than an eight. I, when you consider when you break it down, we've won the Open Cup. We've gone the nigh on two months without losing in regulation in the league. Yes, we've just lost back to back against Basingstoke. We're top of the league. 
if you'd have taken, if you'd have said that to me in August Bank Holiday weekend at the launch barbecue, we were at. Well, I, I think we will be going into the new year top of the table, uh, unless we, and possibly unless we lose and Telford win. I don't know, but we got the head uh, of No, you're top top of the league regardless. Top of the yeah. league regardless. So there we go. We're going to be top going into the new year. We've won the cup. I'll take that. Very happy, Joe. Because I'm, I'm, I'm evil like that. Um, again, it goes back to the whole thing. If 10 is perfect, then we, it can't be a 10. It's not been perfect. It's been very good. I like to think 7 is still a very good. Yeah. We've had we've had performance, especially at the start of the year. It didn't quite get going. It took until after that first league game, really, against Sheffield that it took off like a house on fire. It has gotten better obviously over the last two months like I said we've got an Autumn Cup trophy the halftime trophy is in the cupboard there's still three more to play for obviously perfect we'll be winning all four and doing the Grand Slam but I'm not getting my hopes up just yet and obviously it's not a negative yes there's obviously there's been the odd game where you can look back at it and go okay yeah we were naffing that one that's a two like which was the game we were I think was it the, like I said the Leeds weekend when the Leeds Sheffield weekend in the Autumn Cup 7-2 seven, 7-3 that one gets a one that weekend was pants. <laughs> and then you get weekends like we've had in the last few where it's just been, yeah, that's a nine, that's a 10, that's a nine, that's a 10. And I, bet, I bet if you looked up every weekend through the season, it would probably average somewhere between seven and eight and a half that you'd score it as. There's obviously, there's areas to improve. There's always areas to improve. Um, it's going to be a bit more difficult this year because obviously You've got things like the import situation, which, thankfully, we don't have to deal with. There is obviously a lack of quality Brits around that you can't exactly, you know, just pluck someone out of thin air this year. So it's making... Yeah, but any more after that, you know what? I I know, I know, I know. We we got the one. All right, Captain Pedantic, leader of the podcast. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we got the one guy who was, you know, floating around in the ether. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we've got to make do with the resources we've got. Obviously, we have been somewhat hit by the thing in the world for the last few weeks or so. We've done pretty well with not having many, if any, real serious injuries this year so far. So, obviously, we hope that that continues on. And frankly, I'm not worried about it. We just have to keep rolling. We've seen teams in this league. I remember one of the first few years I was watching this league, it was the uh, Manchester Phoenix Basics that buy somewhere they were the 1-2 for the entirety of the season and just kept swapping it between them. You just have to keep momentum and keep it going. And especially when we get to March, April time, that's when momentum really matters. How many times have we seen teams come from absolutely nowhere to win the playoffs come April time in the sky? And Peterborough did it one year. We should have done it one year thanks Aku um, but yeah I, it's a solid seven it's been a fantastic start to the year it's been arguably I'd say the best start to a national EPL season we've ever had I mean we're top of the league so probably I would say in terms of even the year we won the league we were about third, we were probably fourth this time of year and came back like I think it's been a pretty solid start in that respect um, yeah, but it's it's just a case of we just have to keep this train rolling. I mean, if you look it up, we've got two home games against MK. We've still got two home games against Telford. We still have to play in MK twice, and we still have to go to Telford one more time. Those games are massive, as is every other game we play. Yeah. 
Exactly. Because that's what you got. We've got six losses. Telford are on six losses. Milton Keynes are on seven losses. There's only a couple of games that can change this. And yeah, it's every game is massive. The same as it was in the first half of the season. Same it is in the second half of the season. Tom, what are you scoring it? I think I would go please, around... Please, just have like a three. Just be like, you know, go full-on evil judge. I think I would go around an eight, to be fair. I think... Convenient. Yeah. He goes exactly in between, in between. where you and me were. Yeah. How, how is that fence, Tom? How I mean, is that fence? Does it hurt? Yeah, it's lovely. It's a lovely fence. Um, no, I think in terms of performance, it's been maybe not perfect. Certainly recently, we've been kind of grinding out results without dominating games as much as we were maybe a few weeks ago. I think the big thing that has been crucial for us in the last month is the, is the net minding and how that has kind of settled after a, particularly Rennie had a shaky start. You know, Dino played really well in in, in his in his Autumn Cup games. Rennie was a bit shakier, but Rennie's kind of come back to the form you'd expect Rennie, to, Rennie Mar to be in. And I think that has just set up the team because obviously we say that on a weekend where we haven't had either of them and it has been a bit of a different um, situation, but I think it has just really settled the team knowing we've got Rennie Mar or Dean Skins and they've both been in good form and they've both been giving you a chance to win. And equally, you know, we've we've probably got the two, We've, in my view, we've got, the two best imports in the league, certainly the best duo, but probably the two best individual imports in the league right now. Hang on, but Emil Sweck doesn't get assists, Tom. Well, actually, he does. Re- he does at the moment because he hasn't, unfortunately, been maybe scoring the goals in the last few games. But um, oh, I'm picking. Why do you keep starting fights with hockey players? I'm not. I think, and but anyway, yeah, no. I think we've got in terms of the way the team has played, we've got probably the two best imports in the league. We've got potentially the best net-minding duo in the league when they're both fit and available. We've got a fairly solid defensive unit and we've got guys who can provide secondary scoring. And, yeah, if we can keep playing well, gives us a um, as good a chance to win as any. So, yeah, I think an eight is probably a fair a fair score for the kind of those first three and a bit months of the year. I uh I I think you're right and let's let's see how highly Joe and I are going to rate this uh, little mini performance oh, right now. I can guarantee so, it won't be an 8. <laughs> yeah, so can I. Uh Tom go for it. So next game is against the MK lining. I'm not going to go too much into that because I know this is probably going to go out either just before, like too close to listen to this before or after, so won't talk about that lightning game. So, New Year's Day, 4pm face-off at the link, not a 6.30, it's a 4pm Saturday face-off at the link. We take on the Bees Ice Hockey Club. Didn't get a fine, we're doing well. Um, streaming tickets and match night tickets are available. No restrictions as we're aware, as we're aware um, until after the New Year at least, so that game should hopefully be paid behind a, with a crowd at the link centre. So, yeah, get your tickets, etc. online. The Monday, the 3rd of January, not the 2nd of January, as originally advertised, that game has been moved. 5.15 face-off, we're all the way up in Leeds to take on the Knights. Um, tickets are available for those who want to make that journey on a bank holiday Monday. I, Yeah, okay, moving on. Um, so then we'll do the following weekend as well, just because we can. It gives us an opportunity to maybe have a week off if we need to. Um 
Saturday, 6.30 face-off on the 8th of January, home to the Leeds Knights, and then Sunday the 9th of January, we make the lovely trip to Peterborough for a 5.30 face-off. Yay. Everyone's favourite road game. And one... one, uh, I've I've been... So my combined score is half of an eight. (laughs) Yeah, I gave that a three. I mean, you remembered that the... The Leeds game was removed to the bank holiday Monday, so kudos for that. And uh, decided we're having a week off. Yeah, I don't remember agreeing a I week off. I, but... I don't. I, I don't know if we're going to have a week off or not. But I just thought yeah, we've only got two yeah, games. Ben's our boss. He decides when we get weeks off. I will jump ahead. Reading between the lines, folks, episode thirty-seven is going to be me and Joe because Tom obviously has to tell us something when we stop recording. No, I just, I just thought, I just decided, you know, it's New Year. We'll go ahead and then return to our normal. Two games after from, from the next episode. Uh, well, so you want us to start after New Year by covering two games, but before that, you want us to cover five. I didn't say that. I just just said that I, I thought I'd give people an advance warning of a trip to Peterborough. There, that's why I did it. I mean, there yeah, you need it. Um, You'll yeah. have to wear your big coat for that one. The uh, yeah, the games coming up will be interesting. I know that. Well, I'm pretty certain, touch wood, Tom and I will definitely both be at the two home games. I don't think any of us are going to Leeds on uh, Bank Holiday Monday, so... That could be a very interesting be fun. recording, that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that kind of brings us to the end of this episode, brings us to the end of the 2021 episodes. Um, and I guess that's all that's left for me to say, is to everyone have a great new year. Yeah. Yes, I don't happy know. New Year to all of our many, many listeners. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of close this one out when I with a little story I didn't tell either of you two, and this is gonna. Oh, I, I, love, I love this one. No, 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 it's, it's great. So there I was, Christmas Day, and it was a slightly different Christmas Day to what we would usually have planned. For some reason, at some point during the day, I clicked on the Anchor app just to see. I wonder how the latest episode is doing. So whoever it was that was listening to our podcast on Christmas Day because the views went up by one. Thank you. I don't know who you were, but you obviously had the best Christmas ever. Best, best or worst, considering you'd have to listen to us three witter on for an hour about absolutely nothing and making <laughs> side jokes as always. Somebody was listening to us on Christmas Day, which, yeah. Um, again, Thank you. And we're sorry. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But no, that kind of, you know, th- thank you for everyone that's listened over the course of the year. We will be back. Well, Tom says we're getting a week off, but I, I kind of plan to be back pretty soon after New Year. So have a great one. Enjoy the hockey. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in 2022. Anything else, boys? Nothing for me. Well, the shake of the head says no. So yeah, have a great New Year and we'll see you soon. <laughs>